to another episode of HR and Payroll 2.0. I'm Pete Teliakis, and I'm alone this week for a very special episode. Thanks to the generosity of the Payroll Org, I'm able to share a recording of my recent fireside chat hosted by Nathan North of the Global Payroll Management Institute, where we discussed the results of the recent 2023 Getting the World Paid survey. Now, I'll share a link in the description to make sure you can access that. Uh, you can see the full results there. And um, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation and the points of view on the key findings and, and year-over-year changes that we saw. Uh, I will apologize. I had to record this one from the Sky Club at a, the Hartsville-Jackson Airport in Atlanta on my way to the Zoho event in Austin, the uh, Zoholics event. So I uh, apologize if it's a little bit uh, a little bit different this time, but uh, it did sound pretty good, so I think it came out okay. Um, and look, thank you so much, as always, for your support and engagement with the show. Julie and I appreciate it so much. And um, look, we're going to be back very soon. Uh, with a bunch of new episodes on the way featuring some key topics that are, are of interest, unique guests, and some interesting conversations. Take care, everyone, and stay safe, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Okay, so I think, uh, Pete, I think, you know, we're going to dive right into uh, our, our subject uh, today. So uh, just uh, as an overview, we're going to be going over getting the World Paid Survey today. And then Pete and I have worked together on a series of items uh, toward the end of this presentation uh, to cover uh, technology, payroll, op uh, sorry, payroll operations and professional development. Um, so we have a lot of exciting things uh, lined up. Uh, Pete, do you have anything that you would like to uh, open up with? No, just congratulations on the uh, on the new brand. I think that's really exciting for both the GPMI and APA. They're coming together closer and closer and uh, excited to see that. I think it's a, a positive thing for the entire industry. So congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, very, very excited to dig into these survey results. I've, I've been looking at them year over year. Uh, certainly look forward to this data every year and excited to uh, talk to you about what I'm seeing as well in the marketplace. So thank you so much for having me. Exciting, exciting. So uh, let's dig right in. Um, so our our first set of results uh, are off of the question, do you use your human capital management system as your global payroll record for payroll data? We had 62.34% 60, uh, say yes, and 37.99% um, say no. Um, so, you know, uh, Pete, what do you what do you, what are your thoughts when you initially see these numbers or your first knee jerk reactions? Yeah, yeah I, I think it makes sense. I'd say it's probably a toss up, fifty fifty, right? I'm so I'm happy to see probably you know somewhere in the neighborhood of sixty forty here. Um, I think what you see is is that this sixty percent is the product of integrations and the desire to get to uh, hopefully a single viewpoint control point for uh, command center, if you will, for payroll. And so I think what you've seen is where organizations have made um, investments in, in, in modern core HR, they're more, more likely to want to modernize payroll along with that and certainly bring those two pieces together as, as tightly integrated as possible for, for many reasons, right? Data for sure, but also the, the experience for the practitioner and the employee. Uh, and I think what you're seeing too is that the HCMs, I was just on yesterday with one of the major HCMs. You can actually check my tweets and see who I was talking about here. Uh, they're even looking at um, uh, the, their HCM path being, uh, sorry, their, their experience including a global payroll command center that would leverage the integrations to their partners and their own native capabilities to bring together a single uh, point of view inside the existing HCM license. So, um, so you can imagine this is, there's an appetite for this, and I think you're going to see the blue uh, replace the green here more and more as we go forward. Yeah. Um, Pete, what do you think um, about, you know, is there any particular reasons that you're seeing in the market of why companies wouldn't want their HCM uh, connected with their payroll data? Is it more of a... Yeah, is, I, I think that... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think for the most part, everyone would love to have that. I think if you dug into those that don't, it's probably a capability issue uh, or an integration issue, or maybe... Um, even in these cases where firms are increasingly using employer of record, and I know that's up, coming up soon, I really want to talk about some of the things I'm seeing there. Uh, even those instances, albeit very agile and very forward, those aren't really your employees at the end of the day. And so the integration of that back to core HR is sometimes uh, not desired for various reasons. But uh, otherwise, 
most people would for to have uh, their HCM, their, their HCM investment be the, the launching pad for as much of their data across their ecosystem as possible. And Imperial certainly has a big role to play in that, especially globally. Excellent. And my slides are having challenges here. Oh, you're good. I see it. Hope the audience does. <laughs> um, it's not showing on my end. It's there. You should Nathan, be on slide six. You know. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh oh, I think we've lost Nathan. So maybe I could actually uh, comment here, Mark, uh, while, while Nathan is out. So I think what you're seeing here, right, is, uh, oh, there's Nathan back with us. There we go. Okay. There we go. You good, Nathan? All right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you, you were diving into this yeah. one. Let's, let's go ahead and dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think you can look at this and see that the vast majority of organizations are leveraging outsourcing and a partner in some capacity, whether it's all the way to pure, uh, or excuse me, as, as lean as a pure SaaS or all the way to some sort of fully managed and even point solutions over at the left, right? The, the sort of hybrid in-source, outsource. And I think the beauty of this is, is that I'd say shared, or excuse me, managed services still seems to be the predominant model that most firms are using. Even in the biggest providers I see, um, the adoption is still incredibly high. And I think it's increasing because one of the turnkey nature of the of the innovation but also the turnkey nature of the leading practice design that we're stepping into uh payroll isn't normally most people's first line of business or what their acumen is so certainly they're going to an organization that does payroll for a living right and as a product um but also i think there's the talent gap element of this right and i know we're going to see some of this later on in some of the data but i'm seeing more and more firms that are telling me we're, we're struggling to find payroll uh, talent uh, we're worried about retaining the talent we have, and more importantly, we're retiring a generation of talent that we don't know how to replace. And so I think it's it's more important than ever that organizations do start to look at these solutions and, and figure out where the options are for them. And the beauty of it is, is anything out there in the market today, whether it's tech or services or both, are highly modular, very flexible, and can plug and play the pieces that make sense for, for your organization. And I think that's what you're probably seeing from this landscape spread of how people are using those solutions. Yeah, and it's also interesting to see that the employer of record uh, column is still uh, on yeah. the rise. You know, certainly Strong. not as high as I ex originally expected, uh, but still uh, year over year, we're seeing an uptick with the EOR uh, type solutions that folks are implementing. Yeah, what's interesting here is is that this question asks about it being the global payroll service delivery model, and I think for uh, some firms that may be their model, right? They, they may be uh, particularly smaller emerging firms are often very uh, opportunistic about using the employer of record solution to, to help them advance their, their strategic initiatives. It's a very agile, agility enabling thing or, or uh, model. Um, and I think that what you're seeing is more and more organizations, that's how they're getting, they're dipping into these long tail moments where they can find talent, they can test markets. Um, and the employer of record solution is perfect for that. I would caution to say an employer of record solution is not an entirely uh, ideal global payroll model, right? That's two different things when we're talking about supporting large populations um, in country with your own entities versus going out and having small populations with another firm's uh, third party's entities and leveraging those to, to launch your initiative. So um, just a different reason and, and, and way of using those two models uh, and what those models are supposed to produce. but not surprised to see it jump up. I, I know it wasn't asked last year or it wasn't, didn't register last year. So, uh, and to jump into say a 20 plus percent, I think that tells you that there's a lot of uh, adoption here. Excellent. Um, I don't know if my slide uh, progressed to big slide. <laughs> Payroll challenges, yep. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and, and uh, dive into that one? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're seeing a swath here, right, of payroll challenges. And I think it's interesting, right? I mean, cost is dead center, uh, always going to be there. It's never going to go away no matter what process you're in, whether it's payroll or not. And payroll being very much a cost center in some ways, um, that's going to be certainly pressure, right? But that's where payroll has to really shift and show their value beyond just simply uh, their cost, right, to the organization. Um, 
but I think you've got a lot of here, right, to, to deal with, right? Selecting payroll providers is, is an angsty thing. There's a lot of options. The market's very crowded. Uh, dealing with multiple vendors looks like it bubbled up pretty much to the top aside from compliance, which, um, you know, look, compliance, I think, is is king in, in a lot of things. We were talking just before this, this right, about how many hundreds of, of changes there's been recently, right? It's, it's infinite. And if you compound that by country, uh, it's, it's very much front of mind. And so I, I notice even in my research, not just payroll, but even HCM tech, uh, compliance does bubble up to the top. So it's definitely on people's minds. Um, and of course, I think, you know, some of the things you've also got, you, you see some opportunity with is designing the operating model. Um, in my research, I found a lot of organizations are admitting they need payroll transformation. They need global payroll transformation. They know what they, they'd like it to look like, but they don't know how to actually get there. Um, and that's very, very important, right? Having a strategy and having someone guide you through this. So I think you see um, a lot of organizations looking to figure out how do we how do we redesign our model for the future? How do we consolidate vendors and how do we manage our cost and get better at using our, our data and our value? Okay. Did you uh, notice any surprises uh, on this slide? Uh, no, I think cultural issues is one I would love to pack into. That's like 20%. I'd love to know what the context of some of those answers are. Is that cultural inside the organization or is it the challenges of dealing with one country to the next? Because I can see both of those being very, uh, very prevalent. But that would be one I'd love to, uh, I'd love to take a, a deeper look at for sure. Awesome. So our next uh, question was, how do you manage low employee populations? This is for long tail countries. And, yep. you know, we see that, you know, using the goal of payroll provider is our, our top uh, answer. And then uh, second, again, we have the employer of record, um, which again, I think is, it's leading toward that trend that uh, we saw on yeah. the previous question. Yes. Yeah. The employer record solution is very accommodating, very agile, uh, and many of them do more than just EOR, right? So there are an element of global payroll capabilities for some of these solutions, and many of them are, are matching, uh, you know, their EOR capabilities to their global payroll capabilities or their managed payroll capabilities uh, and vice versa, right? Uh, I've seen managed services firms bringing online uh, global payroll. So Niamo, for example, right, has turned that on. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great, uh, it's been a great tool and, and lever for organizations to use in terms of, um, of managing long tail. But I still think that the uh, the predominant um, go-to tends to be the global payroll providers, the, the stalwart aggregators and um, you know big managed firms that are out there still very dominant in that marketplace because of the investments in infrastructure and capability that they have uh, globally. So, But I think the employer record offers a very in-country um, capability that buyers are attracted to. So. Um, that's something I think the major players are having to do is become much more locally focused in terms of how their experience is for, for the buyer. Yeah, surprise to me was also uh, the use of an accounting firm um, has uh, yeah. dipped down a little bit uh, year over year, uh, now at 12%, um, yeah. where there's, I think, a, a greater set of solutions that are available uh, to, you know, within the marketplace, you know, and again, this is a growing market, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, using an accounting firm, you know, in some instances, I think is a good solution if they're also handling yeah. your finding local books and your local banking uh, items yeah. can still be a choice. Yeah, I mean, all of these can make sense, but I think what I'm seeing is more firms are trying to definitely get to uh, as few solutions as possible uh, to a single experience, right? We talked about that from an HCM standpoint. Certainly all of the global payroll providers out there are offering that command center I was talking about, that dashboard, that control center. Um, and I think, you know, um, how you go about solving that, uh, whether that's a SaaS model and you continue to do the work yourself or uh, you go out and you fully manage, uh, operate, your, your payroll, or you do some sort of a hybrid mix of EOR and managed and in-house, um, all of those things can solve your unique use cases, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those. I think at the end of the day, you have, you have to have that harmonized technology layer, no matter what, whether it's, uh, you know, regardless of how you choose to solve. Uh, and that's the beauty of integrations, right? You can now kind of connect things and make it fit your, your unique needs. So a lot of options. Absolutely. So our, our next uh, question was, how would you rate your standardization of global uh, payroll policies? And so these are this is the policy side of the house when it comes to 
to payroll. Um, I found this, these, uh, results, uh, rather interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, we look at, you know, between 30 and 49% at, at 29%, you know, all the way to even 22% of respondents mentioning that they're currently working on standardization. And I kind of wanted yeah. to dive into more, you know, the importance of standardization of global payroll policies. Yeah. Yeah, well, it really does lay the groundwork for you to be able to, um, you know, design your operating model around a consistent baseline, if you will. And I think when you don't have that, you're talking about multiple moving targets. And every time you add uh, anomalies to the process, right, for payroll or anyone, it's not even just about payroll, you're going to cause problems, right? It's going to cause hiccups. There's going to be, there's going to be, uh, you know, challenges. And it's going to be very difficult to harmonize your data and become in sync. Uh, just globally as an organization getting to all of that at the same time. So I think that it's unfortunate that we're seeing uh, such a low number saying 80%, um, but at least there's a huge, looks like there's a big investment. A quarter of folks nearly are, are in, out there trying to do something about it. And look, some of it is always going to be unavoidable, right? Like mergers and acquisitions and different things uh, are going to come about that are going to, you know, at the time the, the solution makes sense. But I think now, with the, like we said about modern uh, technology, the ability to harmonize that and scale that and, and add on to the, you know, uh, acquisitions and other strategic um, business moves is going to be, is, is you're reliant upon that infrastructure being modern and agile. Yeah. And I think also, you know, really this, you know, shows the importance of working together with your fellow stakeholders within the organization, make, yeah. you know, being informed of changes that are you know, happening, whether it's, you know, information coming from finance, from legal, you know, from uh, HR, um, that, you know, those, those policies need to be updated regularly. Um, and you have to be informed. Um, you know, I think that was one right. of the challenges that, you know, I faced was making sure that I was always up to date on the latest policies, but also making sure I had a good understanding of the policies. Um, that way we can have an effective uh, payroll process. Yeah. You, you know, you, yeah, you bring up a really good point. I think I've, I've talked or been asked a lot about the sort of skills of the future for the payroll leader and practitioner. And I think that you, you hit on something very, very important, and that is teamwork and communication. It's always been important, I think, for the payroll organization and leadership, but now more than ever, those are the skills that you're going to need in the future. As artificial intelligence keeps breaking down more and more of our jobs into um, you know, uh, more value-added work, giving us the opportunity to use that data and use our influence to go and help the organization make real progress towards strategic goals. That's where that communication, negotiation, teamwork, planning, you know, uh, lean design, um, you know, agile thinking, all of that is going to be very critical. And those soft skills, I think, are where the people leader really needs to be looking to hire and develop, right? The analytics sort of project leadership uh, type stuff that is going to require that strong communication. Yes, and, and you mentioned a good point with uh, RPA, AI, and machine learning. If you yeah. don't have your, you know, first step having your policies down, uh, which leads us right into you know our next uh, question, which is similar, uh, but this is talking yes. about how would you create your standardization of global payroll procedures, and we have a large majority who are working on that, thirty three percent. And then, you know, on the opposite side, 30 to 49% of respondents uh, at a 29% rate, you know, have them standardized. And I think this is where playbooks come into play and flowcharts and making sure that yeah. you have, have alignment. Yeah. Yeah, very similar here, right? I think it's the same thing as the, as the last slide. And I bet that you could find a lot of correlations between the two if you were to unpack the answers across users. So, yeah, I think, again, this is where, um, you know, organizations are really focused on trying. This is where the productivity lies. This is where the opportunity lies for payroll to get its, itself out of being a simple processor and becoming more of an advisor and more of a partner to the business and helping them achieve, you know, the, the, the goals and the aspirations they have. As well. But it all starts with standardization, harmonization, modernization, all the uh, Asians <laughs> that you need to be successful, right? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the lessons um, uh, that I've learned in the past with implementing RPA technology is the fact mm. that not only do you have to have your 
payroll procedures standardized, but you really yeah. need to be detailed in your documentation. Um, and, you know, for example, we, we had, a you know, a couple sets of procedures. We had the public set that fellow stakeholders yeah. receive, and yeah. then we have the internal playbook, which literally went step by step, which allowed us to transition much smoother into using RPA technology. However, we still yeah. found areas that we need to beef up our documentation in order to have the developers program the RPAs, you know, yeah. to be effective. Yeah. It's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, you really do. There's a readiness to transformation that includes all of this, right? And 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 don't, you know, I would say don't look to to try and document and redesign your processes around the past. Really look at the leading practice and where you're headed, and where you should be, how you should be doing things. And understand, I understand, change is hard, especially in payroll. It's going to take time, but if you can identify those with data with your organization and sit down and make a case for why these things can be impactful for compliance reasons or for, um, you know, whatever, uh, make that case. That's what you have data at your hands for. That's what your new role really is going to become is telling stories that can help the organization make impactful progress on their, on their strategic initiatives. So this is where payroll's time to shine really comes into play, but you have to have uh, a good foundation to start with. And that's, you know, all the things we talked about. Yeah. One of the things we found helpful was creating storyboards. So creating yeah. storyboards, you know, using the employee, using the manager, yeah. using each profile that we have in our system made it much easier because you're, you're viewing, you have the viewpoint of looking at and looking through the eyes of that user in order yeah. to make sure that you have all the areas that need to be documented. Agreed. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to do it, right? Be, begin with the end of mind. Steve, Stephen Covey, right? <laughs> Doctor Covey. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, yeah, and look, you can never go wrong as long as you keep compliance at the heart, controllership at the heart of it. Um, I think that's the way to design is from the user backwards uh, down to that compliance layer, and you're, you're going to come up with a great product every time. Yeah, and it also exposed. You mentioned you just mentioned compliance and. Do, looking through the eyes of the user will also expose different compliance, you know, challenges that um, you should look at and make sure that mm -hmm. what the process you're following actually is in compliance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, um, how many payroll service providers are you using today? Um, and I, I definitely found this very, you know, very interesting um, with, you know, more than 10 at 12% and then two to five at 44%. And more importantly, one payroll service provider, you know, moving, you know, still ticking upward to 25%, uh, which leads to what we were talking earlier about really trying to yeah. narrow down and use, you know, a minimum number of payroll service providers around the globe. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty average from what I see. Um, and I think the organization, the more it becomes muddled, right? The more it becomes cloudy as to what, how they're solving for payroll globally. So, um, yeah, I, you know, look, now more than ever, I think you can get to one solution, uh, at least one viewpoint, one, one single consolidated uh, experience and data set. Um, and how you integrate and solve for the various different regions and countries can can certainly vary. Um, what I have seen is some of the bigger organizations looking regionally and solving regionally, allowing their regions to sort of decide for themselves, and maybe going with uh, a few re regional players globally, maybe one in region. Um, I've also seen um, many, again, many get to one. And so I think that you saw back on the slides previous, some of the things that well, the firms are focused on users are focused on is consolidating vendors. And I think you're going to see more of that happen as, uh, you know, more firms get a, get a, a modern system and consolidate down their, their capabilities. And look, some of this is sort of an unavoidable, right? As your organization grows, especially inorganically, you're going to have acquisitions. You're going to have things that come about and it's always a rush. You've probably worked on these. I've had my CFO walk in and say, Hey, we bought an entire network. Uh, you know, with a global capability, and I need you to pay them in 90 days. And oh, by the way, they're in like seven countries. And it's like, what? Like, could someone have just maybe mentioned this to me before we did this? Uh, and so then you're scrambling, like, well, how do we do this? And 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 the reality of it is, is you end up with a spaghetti bowl sometimes, 
just uh, by default. And, and, and that's no one's fault. And that's no, uh, it, maybe it made sense at the time in each one of those pockets. But now I think the opportunity is there with cloud technology and integrations where you can get, get this down. I think you're going to see these numbers start to start to shrink. Yeah, and I also think time to implement, uh, when you mentioned the CFO walking in and saying, hey, we've just acquired a company, you know, multiple locations, yeah. and, you know, we look at the time to implement with the current system that we're using, but then being agile enough to yes. accomplish, you know, the scale, getting handle it, yeah. Paid, you know, that we've now acquired and now are under our care to make sure that Things are, you know, working within uh, compliance and that, you know, folks are getting paid accurately. Um, and so mm -hmm. the challenge, and, it, and sometimes it does take time to wrap those uh, mergers and acquisitions into your main system yeah. based off of implementation timelines, especially if you have a mix of existing countries you already have payroll services with, right. and then you're in new territories. Um, that can definitely lead to different challenges. But I think if we concentrate on working methodically and implementing and transferring those payrolls after everything's up and running into the main system over time versus trying to do it all at once, there's um, mm -hmm. it does a lot of the initial pressure of acquiring new territories. Yeah, agree. Yeah. There's think about it. and and no there's no right way to go about it there it's what's right for your organization and the times timeline you're on the investments you need to make so yeah a lot to consider in these for sure yeah especially local language and culture is you know a huge yeah. point you know I, I think sometimes it's best to use the existing systems that way you understand the culture you understand how pay works with the, the yeah, organization yeah. you've acquired or you've merged with um, there's a lot of different variables and, you know, you can't, I mean, we could write a playbook for all the different scenarios and it would be a never ending playbook because each yes. situation is unique depending on the it territory is. you're going into. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have to remember all the business dynamics and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's those things and, and you're right. You mentioned cultural. Yeah. There's a lot to consider here. It's not, it's not as easy as sort of, moving pieces around on, on a board and saying this, this, and that, right? There's a lot of layers of complexity and doing the right thing for the employee and the organization from a compliance perspective is always critical. So yeah, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of, lot to consider when you're doing these uh, major initiatives. Yeah. And which leads us right into how do you track your global payroll performance against objectives? Um, yeah. And I, th I, this is I think, you know, for it's disappointing. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot that we can glean from payroll analytics. Um, I think there's a lot that we can, you know, use within payroll uh, to really show our value versus processing payroll, but also being strategic in how that's being done. And, you know, dashboards are definitely on the rise. I think, you know, more than ever, you, you see them um, all over the place, um, you know, and you, you have, I've seen simple dashboards where they're excel based all the way you know into the, the even smb um, dashboards now and then of course in the larger systems you uh, a lot of uh, yeah. organizations have with their own set of dashboards yeah agreed yeah this, this is unfortunate to see about half of organizations really aren't doing any of this yet and that could be a mix of their maturity uh i would say it's probably less about the fact that they don't want to or don't know how to but it's probably more of that um, they might not have the support or the tools to do so. And so that, that I think is, again, having the right infrastructure is absolutely critical. It's the baseline to getting any of this um, positive movement for payroll done. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to see this be lower in terms of the folks that are not tracking it. And, and look, if you are struggling with this, I think it's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's so many great resources. The TPMI is a great resource for things like this. Um, the payroll community, the new payroll org community is a great place to go in there and ask some questions. There are vendors in the marketplace. Uh, CloudPay, for example, offers a, 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 a index for you to be able to somewhat benchmark some of the things that you're dealing with. There are other vendors in the marketplace that offer tools. So there's a lot of ways uh, to get yourself going here. But I think the big part of this is being able to access the data that we need um, and um, being able to have the support uh, for, for investing in the tools to make, make sure that you can 
um, make you know do that stuff. But there are things that you can do manually. Let's be honest, uh, and I think that's where mm-hmm. folks have to maybe start to at least take the polls and know how they're performing in order to make change. You got to start somewhere, right? Uh, can't fly a plane without gauges. Um, saying so, it's true. You, know, you can't can't fix what you can't measure, or what you exactly. don't measure. Yeah, or what you don't measure, or maybe not, you know, you don't have the know-how, you know, so yeah. you're looking into payroll yeah. analytics or, you know, you mentioned the uh, the payroll community, um, you know, I've, I've seen yeah. multiple questions now come in and, you know, folks are have been really, really helpful in providing um, advice, and, you know, or just examples of what they use um, yeah. in their organizations, but we do have access to great data. Uh, that even if you know we want to create even a dashboard within Excel, we can we can do that uh, pretty easily, yeah, pretty straightforward. Exactly, yeah, totally. Yeah, like I said, most of the community, right? The payroll work is great, and all many of the vendors in the marketplace, the biggest vendors, have uh, thought leadership documents or you know details on on subjects like this to help you understand what you should be measuring and looking at to get you started. So, yeah, reach out to the community, and engage it's there. Awesome. So the three countries or areas you find to be the most challenging to pay, um, and, and this data is, is definitely fluctuating year over year. Um, you know, it's definitely exciting to see you know, some new countries popping up on the radar um, that, you know, are difficult. And you have the usual suspects um, also oh, yeah. um, on this. And I you know, really was concentrating on trying to find a, a good visual for for us to really be able to show, you know, especially yeah. some of the newer countries like, you know, Belgium is one that's, you know, popped up uh, recently, uh, but you have, you know, your, your France, your Germany, um, you know, Spain and Italy seem to be trending downwards year over year. What, what are your thoughts of yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. some of the countries here? Yeah, this is, uh, well, the United States uh, generally wins, right? We were like 52 countries, I suppose, if you, if you really boil it all out. So uh, not surprising of that. But um, yeah, you know, look, I think this is indicative of the angst that we saw in some of the other answers right around compliance. That's a massive, like this This comes through, in a, I very, very much would say, in a compliance nature, right? This probably speaks to what compliance is like uh, in terms of, of risk and, and complexity. Uh, on a country level basis. So I'd say that this is, um, yeah, this is front of mind, right? I mean, especially if you're operating in any or all or more of countries beyond this, you, you've got a lot to manage. And I think that's why you see, to the point earlier about managed services, why you see so many firms now, um, you know, uh, leveraging managed services in some form or fashion uh, as a way to help them manage these, these solutions, help them modernize, or sorry, manage these complexities, uh, modernize and certainly get into, uh, get help right, for, for KPIs and for best practices and what's coming next and how to stay ahead of all this. So yeah, totally indicative, I think, of the anxiety that's created by complexity uh, of compliance. Absolutely, and you know, let's not forget uh, world events. Our world is yeah. ever evolving at, I think, a faster, even a faster rate. Uh, we've always felt that it was a fast rate, but now, you know, there's some complexities that are entering, you know, we're just in world events that definitely have a, a constant, um, uh, a constant impact on what we do every day yeah. from a compliance standpoint. I mean, even to the effect with, in China um, affecting uh, more uh, Taiwan with uh, even infor- the type of information that could be transferred to mainland China. Um, which, you know, is a, a recent uh, development yeah. uh, uh, there. So, you know, I think you definitely, there's a lot to stay on top of when it comes to oh, yeah. uh, the, the- Yeah, you mentioned that, vol- that volatility. Yeah, you mentioned the volatility there. I mean, that's why more than ever, payroll is so critical to uh, helping the organization be agile and helping them execute uh, and pivot and scale and move. So that's, yeah, it's really helping I think drive a lot of adoption for uh, for the payroll team to get more investment. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, and and speaking of investment, you know, we have uh, which of the following technologies are you and your payroll outsourcing partner using in your global payroll processes? Uh, this was a newer question this year. Um, yeah, and it, 
it's very interesting. Data analytics are definitely on the rise. Uh, but then, you oh, know, yeah. we look at, you know, global uh, cloud connectors, the enhanced reporting, and even RPA on the rise within payroll. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So this should be much higher across the board. I mean, any solution that's being built today is being built digitally focused, right? Digi I wouldn't say digitally native, but digitally focused. Artificial intelligence by design. Uh, RPA is really kind of at this point a band-aid for systems and processes that don't actually have those things in place. But I'd say that anything modern now is really coming out with that bi-directional APIs. Um, you're seeing a, a heavy emphasis on artificial intelligence. Certainly, ChatGPT and the, the generative AI is going to be very disruptive, I think, for the payroll process. It's going to create a lot of opportunity to remove all that minutia that we do. Uh, you know, even, even tier one cases are already being handled. EMY, I believe, uh, announced something with ChatGPT. ADP is doing something uh, from an AI perspective around um, the, um, the, the the tier one experience for employees with payroll questions. Right, we've seen some, some self-explaining payslips from Ramco. Um, there's just a lot of technology coming into the space to make it much more, um, you know, intuitive, guided uh, nudging of employees. And I think what you're really going to see is an eventual um, convergence between the open banking concept fintech, artificial intelligence, and payroll really kind of getting connected in a way that helps the employee to sort of sort of orbit the employee at, all the time, right? Always on, continuous calculation, um, the ability to take money when I need it, um, but also the ability to integrate to my other data points and my financial solutions that I use, maybe my, maybe my Acorns account or my PayPal or my Cash App or any of the solutions that are out there to help me uh, from an open banking perspective, connect the things that, that design my financial wellness. Uh, I think all of that is going to be working in concert eventually too, is really going to be this thing that, that isn't static, that doesn't end uh, the day the paycheck, you know, I, I put my time in and get paid, that's it. It's, I think that's not going to be the case. I think we're going to be in a situation where um, you really are going to have hyper-automation um, and payroll practitioners will be able to focus much more intently on helping execute those strategic initiatives, helping bring awareness to the organization with its data uh, to move uh, move the needle on processes and, and improvements and standardization and and execute on all those great things that the organization wants to do. So, um, yeah, very excited here, but would love to see a lot more of this um, being adopted. I'd love to see it getting adopted faster. Absolutely. And, and even the globalization of earned wage access, you know, from the beginning yeah. of the year, there's, you know, I've received multiple alerts of legislation in process for early wage uh, access around the globe. Uh, so, you know, oh, yeah. we, we faced it the last few years here in the US, but it's growing at a rapid pace uh, around the world from a legislative standpoint. Yeah, yeah, and employees want that capability. That's exactly the type of FinTech solutions that I think are disrupting payroll and putting a lot of power in the employees' hands and giving them the ability to really take ownership of their of their uh, payroll data, take ownership of their uh, financial goals, and ultimately elevate, or excuse me, lift a lot of work off the payrolls uh, teams back to elevate them to a new you know new level. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, in how many countries do you pay employees and process a payroll? Um, you know, one to five countries, 53%, not surprising, you know, as companies are continuing to move into different territories, uh, you know, but, you know, slight uptick between 36 and 50 and 51 plus countries, um, I, you know, definitely hats off to the folks that are, are having to operate in 51 or, you know, really anything over 20 <laughs> countries as a whole, you know, that, that's, you know, yeah. that's a lot of complexity that folks are working through. Yeah. You know, I, I looked, I was just now looking again, I wanted to see what 2022 looked like and it was similar, but I do see the numbers uh, inching up a little bit here. So I, I think that you're seeing, this is indicative of, I think, organizations finding themselves in foreign locations where they might not have expected to in the past. Uh, some of that, I think, is coming by way of the opportunity to access talent in other markets, um, which is then the global EOR uh, solution is, is beautiful for that, right? You're able to go and get that developer in Romania that you have no idea uh, anything about Romania, um, but at the same time, be able to access the top talent in the marketplace, right? Super vital right now. Um, it's also the opportunity, right? I think you see a lot of organizations now dipping their toe out into markets 
uh, emerging markets, particularly Africa, Asia, Latin America, all of the um, in terms of investment. And I think that you're seeing more and more firms finding themselves there and becoming a, a global payroll operation where where they didn't. And I've, I've even talked to some of the bigger companies um, recently where they're saying, hey, yeah, I'm starting to establish a more formal global payroll practice in our organization shared service center where before we were very North America focused or, or maybe Western Hemisphere focused. Now it's dipping further into these other areas. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, I think there's a lot of that going on, and that's uh, I think it's going to continue for sure, especially in the creator economy and the uh, market that we're in. It's just too easy for people to be in other locations now. Yeah, and especially you know with the expansion of a lot of companies um, in Africa. Um, yeah, with a, yeah. Uh, a lot of opportunities that we get here is okay. My company decided to go to Senegal. What do I need to know? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the bigger hits, you know, and it used to be just South Africa. Now we're expanding out yeah. of South Africa. And so we're seeing a large uptick of that. And, you know, what department does global payroll report into? You know, I think this is one of the, usually the top questions. Yeah. Uh, I just want to know where, you know, where are we uh, uh, reporting into, you know, again, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer of almost a, 50-50 split between finance, accounting, and human resources, um, you yeah. know, shared services yeah. remaining steady, um, you know, and then, you know, other with 2%, uh, you know, it'd be quite interesting to find out what is, what, what are the other 2% yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I think, and there's even been folks who have suggested maybe payroll needs to be its own department uh, within an organization, mm -hmm. and I could see that as well, right? I mean, um, but look, this is, to me, this has always been payroll's chicken or the egg um, conundrum, I guess, right? Where do you put payroll? Uh, and I don't think there's any wrong answer here. Um, I think what I, my personal opinion, I leaned from a controllership perspective to the fact that payroll, you know, it's, it's the biggest expense most organizations has, it hits P&L, it belongs in finance from a controllership perspective. But at the same time, uh, I think HR is much better to care for the employee and care for the um, uh, role of, of, of payroll in the human capital management um, sphere and how important it is to org agility and all the things that HR has to accomplish for the business. So no wrong answer here. I think it's what's best for your organization, really. And um, I think as long as you have a clear matrix sort of uh, approach to either side so that they have equal remit to HR and finance, you're generally going to be um, good. But uh, again, it's, it's very chicken um, or the egg. It's, it's, there's no wrong answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, leading us right into what is the primary resource or method you use to answer questions relating to global payroll processing? You know, de <clears throat> definitely one of the hot areas when you're sitting, you know, in the seat responsible, you know, for really understanding, um, you know, we have our, our global payroll providers, we have GPMI, local professional networks, you know, whether it's user groups or the payroll community, um, accounting firms, um, and, and local partners. And of course, then we have the internet uh, as well. Yeah. 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 So I wonder, is this question to, I, I was curious if this is questions, uh, that the practitioner has, or if it's employees asking payroll, because if it's employees asking payroll, I, th I think it's the, la I think it's the, um, the prior, the, the practitioners. Yes. It's a practitioner level question, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, no, good to see that the uh, GPMI is very high up on here. Uh, I love that they're down with providers, Rich, we, we, we are right, we, we mentioned that earlier, a great resource for the for within the community and certainly the network. Um, I think that there are certainly some firms that do, uh, that, that are uh, offering subscription services to these things. I, don't, I won't say their names, I don't want to endorse any of them, but there are some still out there that you can utilize, but I, I, I love the fact that there, what I like to see here is there's a really good mix, right? It's a good balance. Um, and I think that that's what you should do for anything. Always have a mixed balance of resources that you can go to. Uh, and I would always tell you, yeah, lean on that payroll org community. I'm hoping we'll see that next year. Um, and I wonder if also we'll see uh, any chatbot technology mentioned here you know, maybe, maybe inside the other, uh, if that'll come up. So yeah, maybe chat GPT or something. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. Yeah, for be compliance. I'm really, I'm really be, excited yeah. for that. Yeah. It, and exciting to see, you know, how some of these, uh, chat GPT type tools evolve to where you could ask a question and get at least yeah. another set of thoughts, 
uh, may not be the exact well, answer. You have the variables of your organization and the territory yeah. that you're in. You know, there's other things yeah. to look at. And then also, what niche market are you in? Um, and are there special yeah, laws I, that cover that niche market? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the large language model capabilities of, 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 of something like ChatGPT uh, and the generative AI capabilities are going to be great for taking massive amounts of law and information in a country and propping it in and getting uh, a good understanding and interpretation for what you're reading. Um, and I think that's where, where it's going to be really helpful. I, I'm excited for it for compliance. I'm excited for it for um, employees getting help, practitioners getting help. Um, with day-to-day -day tasks. So yeah, I think it's going to be going to be a lifesaver for sure. Not to mention all of the automation, the process automation that is just so needed in payroll, right? The, the straight through machine enabled process and is going to be is going to be absolutely vital. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, Pete, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, recent technology trends that you've seen so far in 23? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'll tell you, I think that, again, we just talked about ChatGPT, right? That is a large language model, generative AI capability, right? So we've touched on that. That's been obviously massively fuzzy, if you will. Um, there's been a lot of angst about it. Everyone thinks tomorrow we're going to see this replacement of the, of the everyday worker. And the reality of it is, is I think we're still very far off from those solutions actually completely eliminating people, right? There are some very simple jobs that I think it can it can solve. But the reality of it is, is the emotional intelligence, um, you know, and all of the things that humans can do, the creativity we have and the ability to do, um, uh, to, to think outside of, of just uh, creatively, right, I guess is the word, um, is going to be very, very vital. And so I think, I think that, that that's been probably one of the biggest things I've seen um, right now for the first part of 2023. The other thing I think I'm seeing a lot of is the SaaS model in the global payroll space is really, really doing well. Um, I think you're finding a lot of organizations. Remember, I talked about the flexibility of managed services today and just the flexibility of the solutions that are out there. Um, the nice thing is, is they're very modular and very flexible in the sense that you can, you can, you can engage them incrementally, right? So most vendors are offering bundles of layered services, right? That starts at SaaS and maybe it progresses. But the beautiful thing is, I think I'm seeing is that a lot of organizations are heading out there going, hey, we have. A certain amount of investments we have a certain amount of capability we don't necessarily need to rip and replace we need a modernized infrastructure and from there we can connect the things that work best for us whatever partners we like to use and we can achieve that harmonized single you know single data set single uh, point of entry single uh, automated platform control center for payroll um, and i think that has been a bit disruptive now, right you don't need to necessarily go pure managed services in order to solve for for global payroll, there's a lot of options, right? You saw global EOR um, is the right it's the right thing to use in certain use cases. Whereas, um, you know, maybe maybe um, uh, um, a point solution might be right for, for your situation. So it's all about, I think, balancing what your investments are and where you're trying to get to. And I think I've seen a lot more of the SaaS taking off. Uh, really, even getting some of the vendors are getting into managed services deals and winning against managed services deals where they're not even necessarily offering it. So I think that technology layer is the starting point and everyone understands that that's incredibly critical um and if you have to take that on incrementally that's fine but begin to do something right start to make that progress and, and think about it and, and again i know a lot of folks need help with that we saw that on the on the slide there earlier um, and i think guidance right getting some guidance on your strategy will help you like reach the right solution for your use cases yeah absolutely well let's go over to mark for our first uh, first uh, polling question all right so for everyone the first polling question of the day is what is your comfort level with rpa ml and ai is it a i'm not quite re sure i'm ready b i'm ready but i need to know the options c researching the options d getting ready to implement e i am currently implementing or f already working with these technologies we'll give everyone a short time and we'll see where your audience sits guys all right, let's see. I'm hoping we'll see a lot of, um, I'm currently implementing. <laughs> we're already working. Great. We got some. That's good. Yeah, I know yeah. you were hoping Not for sure the bottom ready. end of the chart. <laughs> I know, right? That's okay. It's okay. You got to start somewhere. It's good that people are thinking about it. That's that's all that matters. You just want to see it all get out there for uh, for uses. And remember, focus on your use cases. It's not really something you just want to do at scale. Any, any automation initiative, you really want to focus on the key use cases you're solving and and go that route, especially with RPA. Um, 
ML and AI are somewhat getting embedded into these solutions naturally. So understanding how the algorithms work is critical. Yeah, it looks like you've just about got all yeah. your answers. So I'll let you guys yeah. take it from there. All right. A lot of curiosity, I would say. Why don't you take uh, the results? I can't actually see the results on my end. It's okay. It's okay. So we see, you know, about half of people say they're not quite sure they're ready. Um, and, and maybe another 20 to 40% are uh, ready, but need to understand the options or are researching the options. So that tells me, um, you know, you're looking at a good 90 plus percent who are at least exploring and getting into the, into the area. So yeah, that's all you can ask for. Um, and and uh, yeah, take it slow. You know, like I said, focus on solving your use cases. And that's, that, that'll take you to the best outcome. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, let's uh, switch over to payroll operations. And, you know, in general, you know, are you seeing payroll funding options shrinking and expanding, you know, the use of payroll analytics, you know, we talked yeah. a little bit about documentation earlier. Yeah. So I would tell you that I think what you see in the market right now is payments are coming much, much closer to payroll. Um, it's becoming almost synonymous together, right? You always kind of think of it as a payment, but there is the process of getting it actually paid once it's processed and prepared, right? So. Um, I think you're seeing many, if not all of the major solutions, anything formidable in the marketplace now either offers its own native uh, cross-border money movement capability. Particularly, that was a major, major challenge that we saw in COVID and it continues to be as you have these global footprints, right? You've got to get them paid. Uh, and that is very cumbersome. Banks don't like doing it. So why why would a payroll manager, you know, be any better at it? So um, I think you're seeing cross-border money movement becoming pretty standard in payroll uh, solutions globally. Um, and again, where they don't have it, vendors are typically uh, partnering with someone like an eBerry or, or maybe a Wise. Uh, we've seen Wise doing some work there. Um, and so I think that you're going to see more and more of that getting closer and closer together. And also, back to my point about open banking, the open banking concept and the whole fintech area, I think the flexibility for employees to choose how they receive their pay is going to continue to rise, right? On-demand pay is already here. It's pretty much a standard in most countries in, in the in payroll solutions. It's, it's just the way... Uh, the types of digital solutions we should be offering employees, the, the flexibility enablers uh, that ultimately have massive impacts on talent, actually, very little impact on payroll itself, massive impacts on wellness. Um, but those are the things that employees are expecting. So I think you're going to see more and more of those API based uh, capabilities coming online, certainly more crypto um, options, right? We see things like BitWage and others out there where you can help to uh, facilitate employees being paid in certain cryptocurrencies. And you have 119 or 110, don't quote me on that. Uh, organizations out there now, I think 120, uh, or excuse me, countries it, it, around the globe, 120 countries around the globe in some level of exploration for uh, an S, what they call an SL, uh, it's, it's a, basically a, a digital version of their fiat, right? A, uh, a fiat that is uh, like not necessarily cryptocurrency, but a crypto-based type solution that is backed by the dollar or their, or their money. So um, certainly this is the way things are going with digital payments. I think blockchain is going to be a big part of that. Um, and so, yeah, payments and payroll are getting intimately close. And I think fintech is really taking aim uh, at disrupting payroll and really giving people a lot of API-driven options for that sort of payroll everywhere concept that I mentioned uh, previously. Awesome. Let's go to Mark with the next polling question. Yeah. All right. So our next polling question for everyone is, is documentation of policies and procedures processes, excuse me, important. Is that a yes, and I am not sure, or a no? We'll that feels like one of these, uh, that feels like one of those questions where wrong answers only are appropriate. <laughs> this is one I'm hoping to get 100% on. <laughs> come on, come on, everyone. It was kind of a loaded question, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we got in the majority here, so that's positive, that's positive. So yeah, no brainer here, right? It would have been yeah. scary if the answer had been no. The majority would know, right? Yeah, everyone's fooling us. Yeah, you know, good, just talking about the whole just large language models and generative AI, I think this is where we're going to see a lot of benefit, right? I, I know I was in Big Four Consulting for a time, and if you've worked in consulting, there's a lot of great templates and data and information from projects of the past. But getting at that, it's hard, right? It's probably on someone's laptop, maybe, or maybe it's not in the knowledge base. But now the ability to go out there and kind of search that and surface information very quickly, particularly from a like a compliance perspective or a policy perspective, I think it's going to be really huge for uh, generative AI, things like ChatGPT. So quick access to information and answers is going to be key. And when you start connecting that with analytics, it's just going to be very, very, very forward looking. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And, you know, I think yeah. with professional development, you know, one of the main areas, uh, for example, uh, we were talking uh, prior to this session is since January, there's been approximately over 150 global updates when it comes to compliance items, uh, more mm -hmm. so of new legislation that has either been enacted or will be enacted uh, by the end of this year um, and also including legislation that's currently in process um, yeah. so i think for a professional point you know staying on top of compliance staying on top of you know, your regions that you're responsible for to make sure that you're uh, following what's coming up so that you can plan accordingly from a policy, a procedure, and system standpoint. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then uh, I think, you know, Pete, this is always a good question. What is your top advice for payroll, profess uh, payroll professionals entering into global payroll? This is the first time that- Yeah, well, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good one. I, you know, and I would even combine it a little bit with that first question about the top skills, right, that they need to master. And I think that is uh, really opening their mind and learning as much as they possibly can. I mean, in payroll, you know, you have to, you're touching every corner of the business, you're touching every corner and, and stitch of HR. You've got to really know what, uh, how payroll impacts the other, right? How, what, what flows to payroll, what doesn't, where, you know, and how it all kind of interlaces. Um, but I think for a, for a global payroll professional, there's a lot more there to worry about, right? You have to also worry about cultural norms and uh, time zones and, and all of these extra things. So I think it's really just sort of taking back and learning at first and understanding what your what your landscape is, what your customer, who your customer is, I guess is the way I would say it. Um, and really kind of understanding like, how does this new dynamic now fit into what I was doing? Or uh, how does it play a part of uh, the way we've done things in the past? Can we do things the way we've done in the past in these other countries? That's not always, I'm going to fly, right? Not everything in America they translates to another country and, and vice versa. So I think it's really being open-minded, um, being very learning focused. And coming back to that first question, I think, you know, with artificial intelligence coming around with more analytics, I think the role is going to become very um, soft skill based, right? You're going to need that emotional intelligence, leadership, negotiation, analytic thinking, um, the ability to have, uh, to do something that, I mean, I mean, the, the, the computer, you know, uh, the AI can surface all the insights in the world. It's knowing what actions to take and, and certainly prescriptive guidance will come with that in the future. But, um, it's also knowing like how, when to act, right. And knowing how to act on that data, uh, and read between the lines and, and not just blindly do something, but also maybe think through that and say, Hey, in context with what I understand is of our culture and the way we, the way we are and the way we operate and, and the context of the issue, you know, that, that capability that analytic emotional intelligence i think is going to be super super important for the for the practitioner of the future and just having that open mind as you should in google to really just learn and network and understand as much as you can uh, about all those nuances and, and like i said get to know your customer i think is really key yeah and that leads right into you know this is really becoming a strategic partner with the organization yeah. using data analytics using the tools and resources that you have at your disposal and continuing to learn. Yeah, and lean on your community. We, we mentioned the payroll work community recently. I love that. I go in there um, and I, I, I love the topics that are in there. They're just anything you can, it almost reminds me of the Reddit. It's like Reddit for payroll, right? You can go in there and I don't know if that was the design, but if you guys did that, congrats, you, you nailed it. Um, the community of payroll is so powerful. I mean, just just reach out, right? There, There's someone out there who's been through what you've been through. And I think that you can really lean on your community and your network and find a lot of help. Uh, and you'd be surprised um, how easy and how, how readily accessible it is. Uh, and certainly the GPMI is a great forum for that. The, the payroll org uh, uh, community is a great forum for that. But even just your local chapters and your, your peers, I mean, just get in touch and talk to people. They, they're there to help. And it's uh, I think it's a phenomenal community that we should all you know be proud of. Absolutely. Thank you, Pete. Mark, uh, over to you for the last polling question. Yes, our last polling question, then you guys can wrap up because we're almost we're at the top of the hour. So for our audience, what format do you prefer to receive global payroll data and information? Do you prefer it with infographics, white papers, downloadable tables, a summary of articles, or daily, weekly, monthly emails? We'll see what kind of a sample we get. I build out of a lot one. of these, so I'm excited to see what this uh, what this says here. <laughs> I wish I wish podcasts were on here. I'd love I'd love for more uh, more folks to uh, use podcasts. Should have given Should have given me that one. I could have gotten it in here. 
I know. Well, they can always come to the HR and payroll 2.0 podcast and join me and Julie Fernandez. We, uh, we always talk about topics, so we're happy to help payroll topics. So go. we're happy to help. Yeah, I love it. My weekly, daily emails. I'm the same. I'm a, I'm a newsletter guy. I really appreciate the summary newsletters and being able to pop into those. So, yeah. Yeah, nice diversity of answers. I would have thought so infographics would be a little higher. Hmm? But, yeah. Yeah. I said I would have well, thought infographics might be a little higher with the snackable nature of our of our mobile life. But, uh, yeah, yeah no, it's good to see people like reading the pictures newsletters. to drive it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, any last any last moment comments you want to make, guys, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I would just say happy Global Paper Week, and um, thank you again for having me, Nathan. This is always great, man. I love these conversations, and happy to do it again uh, anytime. Awesome, and uh, happy Global Paper Week to everybody, and thank you, Pete, uh, for uh, participating uh, this year.